Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Hey, there's a hot pocket in here and you forgot. Hey! That's what the microwave says. Life 107.1. I think this has to do with the time of the morning that I wake up. Oh. Because this is a sound you will never hear from my microwave. Okay. So, well, we know you get up at oh dark 30. I get I, up really early, much earlier than my wife. Over on the other side of town, I'm getting up around oh dark 32. And because I am a good husband who doesn't want to wake my wife up, if I microwave something in the morning, as that counter starts going down, once you get to one second, boom, pull the door open. So you don't hear it start beeping at me because it's done. So you don't hear the beep? I beat the beep, Jen. You beat the beep. But then this is carried through the rest of my day. Okay, that's what I was going to ask, because in the morning, it's just being considerate of your wife who's sleeping. But I'll be in the office here. I I brought in some leftover chili. I'm going to heat that up in the microwave today. And when we get to one minute, boom. One second. I'm going to beat the beep. You're going to beat the beep? I'm going to beat the beep with one second to go. What is so bad about hearing a microwave beep? I don't know. I think now it might be kind of like thing? I think it's just like a Pavlovian thing that like if I hear it I associate it with failure. <laughs> I, I've I've failed to keep my wife asleep in the next room. Yeah, but what about here at work? Why do you have to beat the beep at work? Because I associate it with failure, Jen. <laughs> I can't fail. You have to beat the beep. If you don't beat the beep and you forget that you didn't beat the beep, then the beep comes back. What it's do we the, do with the beep that comes back? It's the shame beep. It's like hey. There's a hot pocket in here and you forgot because hey. your lunch is unremarkable. Hey! That's what the microwave says. We got the beep, huh? Yeah. So think about the last time somebody asked you a question and it was so off the wall random that it, you just looked at them and blinked for a couple of seconds as the question started to register. I wanted to know what you thought about this, Jen. (laughs) I was genuinely curious. He walks into my office and he's like, do you beat the beep? And I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, what? what? Do you beat the beep? What? What are you? Okay, what are we talking about here? The beep on the microwave or your oven or your alarm. There is a beep that tells you to do something and I don't like hearing it. I, I mean... And think about it. This is true. We have a lot of beeps in our life. There mm-hmm. are beeps everywhere. It's a very beepful life. And apparently Taylor is the type of person that has to beat the beep. If I've got something in the microwave, I'm going to pull that door open when there's one second left so it doesn't beep at me. What about you? Do you beat the beep? No, I think the first beep has a perfect purpose. It tells you it's done. It's ready like an alarm clock. How do you beat the beep in the morning, Taylor? Do you just naturally wake up before your alarm clock? He does. Oh, I let the alarm clock go off. I'm talking about on the microwave. Oh, okay, so you have selective beeps. Yeah. You have a double standard! Well, my my alarm clock is a vibrating cell phone, and I put it under my pillow so Lindsay can't hear it. Oh, so you just have a problem with beeps. Yeah, it's the beep. Anna, do you use the beep on your microwave? I do use the beep on the microwave. Now, I try and let it not get to the second beep, the warning after the beep, because then I do agree with Taylor. It's like... You forgot that something's in here. Yeah. You You, failed. You're getting scolded by your electronics. Yes. (laughs) You know, each sequential beep afterward, it seems to get a little bit angrier. Yeah. That's to say about me than the microwave. No, there's a tone. There is a tone. Anna, tell me where you are in the birth order. Um, (laughs) I am in the middle, but I am the only girl. Okay. Okay. That sounds accurate. (laughs) We're sorry. You're going to hear them now everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. We're surrounded 
by beeps. Our world is filled with beeps. You have a beep around you probably right now. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to get out of your car in a second, you know. And what it's going to do? What's it going to do when you get out? It's going to beep. Because you unbuckled your seatbelt. Or because you left your high beams on. Mm. Something's going to beep. It beeps. We beep everywhere. What's our relationship with the beep? Yeah, especially in the kitchen. I try to beat the beep. Like, I, I just, I, I, I don't want the microwave to beep at me when it's done. What do you think? This conversation is definitely long overdue. And I just want to bring up the deep psychological effects of the beep. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So... I also would like to beat the beep, Mm -hmm. but sometimes if the beep, like I use my microwave as a timer sometimes, like, okay, such and such has to be in the oven for 10 minutes while I'm Mm -hmm. doing this other thing. And sometimes my hands are full when the beep is about to go off and I can't just drop the pot of boiling whatever, right? Right. So then I start to explain to myself that my my disdain for the beep is really overrated and it has a purpose and it's okay if it's there. And then I end up in these deep psychological internal conversations about the purpose of the beep. And then I realize that I'm talking to myself and I might be insane. I love you. I think we were sisters and I think somebody separated us. And then sometimes you end up with beep envy. Like I'm over at my friend Christy's house and her beep is a more pleasant beep. Oh. So if she's cooking something and she uses a timer and then I, I, I wish that I had her beep in my house instead of my beep in my house. You know, you're not supposed to covet your neighbor's beep. <laughs> I know. That's just the Bible. <laughs> Until this morning. You thought of it as just a friendly reminder, perhaps, as I did. Hey, your food's in here. Hey, your food is done. Oh, no. Hey, it's time to get up. Hey, coffee's done. I used to think of the beep as just that little, you know, helper in my life. But now, now, now I'm starting to think that the beep is something I should beat. There there are those of us who don't like the sound of the beep. We try (laughs) to do everything we can to keep stuff from beeping at us. And uh, you really don't like the beep, right? No, I was traumatized. By really? Sh- oh, no, what beep? I lived in an apartment complex. My bedroom faced the other building, and that apartment, just right across the walkway from me, they were gone, and their beeping went on. Their alarm oh, clock had no. went off. Oh, no. It was weeks. Oh, no! <laughs> weeks of beeps? Was it... <laughs> Ever since then, I do anything, do anything to make sure that I don't get beat. It's in the contract. The contract? It's in the parent contract. Did you know that there's such a thing as a parent contract? I was not aware of the paperwork. It's unwritten. Okay. But it's there. But somewhere in the parent contract, it says that right around the time that your children stop embarrassing you when you go out in public. Mm Mm-hmm. You can start embarrassing them. Oh. And it is extremely enjoyable. (laughs) You really relish those opportunities, don't you? It is one of the most fun (laughs) times in my life. I was in the airport recently with my children, and we were trying to get 27 miles across the airport (laughs) to a plane that was boarding. Yeah. Okay. And so we were rushing, not running, just walking quickly. Mm -hmm. I kept telling them, we're fine. We got time. We're fine. You know, that type of stuff. And they're both like six feet tall and I'm not. So they're walking really uber fast. Got those long strides. I'm lagging a little bit behind, but I also was lagging behind because I thought it was extremely important that I notice every single solitary dog 
That there was were a lot of dogs at the airport. Tons of dogs. Oh. A lot of people fly with their dogs. So it's imperative that you point out the dogs, yeah. Taylor. I mean, and and when I pointed out the dogs, I would be like, oh, puppy. And then I would kind of look at it a little bit. And mm-hmm. then I would see another dog. And go, oh, puppy. That's a different contract. And then you have to say puppy every time you see a dog. It doesn't matter how old it is. Oh, it's a real puppy. I mean, there were puppies everywhere. I pointed out every single puppy going so far as to kneel down in front of a beagle puppy on the ground, like slid in front of him on my knees. Can I meet your puppy? Now, all of this is in the span of, you know, the time that it takes Mm -hmm. to get from one airplane to another. By the time we got to the boarding (laughs) area, my children were ready to disown me. They were (laughs) beet red. They were repeating the mom, mom. And I loved every second of it. All right, Paul, you're a dad. Have mm-hmm. you either on purpose or inadvertently embarrassed your kids? No, I like my kids to embarrass themselves. Oh. I would pay them to do things such <laughs> as run through Arby's and say, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. <laughs> and I would pay them like five bucks and they would do that. <laughs> Being inside of Kohl's and picking up one of those orange pylons and they say Elvis has left the building Elvis has left the building like that and they would do that for five bucks I just think it's hilarious it's It's cheap entertainment it's amazing what they do for five bucks Dr. Heidi one of the best things about a new year is everybody has lists of things. Oh, lists you of would things. love lists. The top 10 <laughs> movies of the year, the top 10 books of the year. So so what I want are the Dr. Heidi top three tips for 2021. Mm, I've got that for you. Yeah. Do you? So, yeah. So so here's the thing. I've talked to lots of different people. We get to talk about lots of struggles, lots of hardships, and there's themes that come up. We're all human and there's struggles that go across the board. So here's what I have for you. First one, grace-based self-talk. We are so mean to ourselves in our heads. Mm. <laughs> we, we have such high standards. We say things to ourselves and we hold ourselves to standards that we would not hold our friends up to. And I think as believers, we have a responsibility to challenge that self-talk and be kind to ourselves because of who we are in Christ. And I think we can get to the point where like, ooh, the secular self-love is really selfish, well, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, okay. right? Because as believers, there's nothing wrong with loving ourselves as Christ loved us. That doesn't take us into pride. That takes us into actually just seeing ourselves accurately with humility as God made us. Yeah. So when we have grace-based self-talk, you're not saying anything is permittable. We're right. still holding ourselves up to a standard. Right. But it's Christ's standard. It's Christ's okay. standard, okay. not our standard. And recognize that I am a fallen human being and I've got things to work on. I legit have things to work on. But by God's grace, I can do that with his help. And those struggles don't define me. Okay. Number two. Perfectionism Anonymous, right? Like, like, ooh, like I have to join it? <laughs> like you have to join it, right? Yeah. Sign up for it. I'm not Perf- even going to be anonymous. I'll just tell you right now, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> Perfectionism steals our joy. It steals our joy because, again, it's that standard that we can't meet. And the truth is we all have limits. We have limits about how much we can do. We have limits about how many relationship expectations we can meet that other people have for us. And when we hold ourselves up to that perfectionistic standard, it becomes self-defeating. I think I should be able to do all the things. I think I should be able to be a super mom and look a certain way and be a super coworker and be a super friend. And I mean, I I just (laughs) a super friend. Wonderful. Because at the end of the day... (laughs) 
we can do all those things, but not all at the same time. And not on our own. We're going to go through seasons where maybe we're rocking it at home, but some other things are sliding or things are going really well at work, but we're eating takeout for a week. (laughs) Okay. Right. Okay. We have to recognize that we have limits and what does it look like to make peace with those limits? And what does it mean to say, yeah, I can't do it all. And that's okay. Because that perfectionism comes at the expense of something else. I mean, when you're giving that much energy into what I am and what I do, something else is falling through the cracks. And my guess is it's, from experience, relationships. Absolutely. My guess, it's my relationship with my kids, my relationships with my friends, my relationships with my loved ones, my relationship with my Lord. We become so busy being human doings, we forget to be human beings. Mm. Okay. Number Number three. three. Okay. We have to embrace... Authentic, messy relationships. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so what that means, messy. So, so none of us are perfect. You, you've just dealt with that, yes. right? And so now you're ready to play that out in your relationships, right? And a big piece of that is permission giving. And I'm not talking about enabling toxic behavior. I'm talking about permission for your friend to not like to go hang out in the snow when you want to go cross country skiing with you. I, you right? know, I don't like the snow. Right. And that's okay, Jen. That's I keep okay. inviting you to build a snowman. Right. I, I'm going to keep asking She wants me to go cross country skiing with her. And I'm like, oh, so this, no. this is a personal example. This is a, person, this is a, this is a personal example. Okay. Right? okay. But the thing I'm is, tracking. is like our friendship isn't dependent on whether we like the same things or not. Right. Right. We both like coffee. We'll start there. Right? Yes. Amen. But we can give our friends permission to be different or to maybe not do some of the things we do. And that's okay. Sometimes we set rules around relationships. Okay, they have to be the same age. They have to have kids who are the same age as, as my kids or, or all the things. And, and when we let go of those rules and recognize that when we can step out of those expectations and have different relationships or, or messy relationships or relationships that don't fit a certain mold, our lives are so much richer. Our relationships are not supposed to look like a Hallmark movie. No, they they're don't. not. Sometimes- and just because a relation takes work doesn't mean it isn't working. Yes. Relationships yes. take work. And I think sometimes we look for those easy ones. And it's great to have the friends that nine times out of 10, you can just go and sit down and it's easy. It's like breathing, being with them. But at some point, that relationship's going to take some work. Yeah. And it's valuable because we invest that work into it and we are better people for it. And it's not just with other humans. It's also our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's hard. It can be messy on my end. I'm not him. Right. So I'm not perfect. Yep. So on my end, it looks messy, but it's always worth the effort. The beautiful thing about our God is we can show up with that messiness. He can handle it. We grow from there. The theme to all of these, the theme to my top three is grace. Grace for ourselves, grace for our relationships, applied grace, grace in the trenches that lets us live out holy relationships with each other so we can grow closer to God. Congratulations. You are actually brilliant. Who? You. Me? And me. Oh. And according to science. Science! Science! Science music! According to science, all of us who speak to our pets are intelligent. Well, I am brilliant. For a long time, people poo-pooed those of us who would look and speak to our dogs like they're humans, ask them how their day was, ask them if they want treats, ask our cats if they even know who we are. (laughs) But there has been research done into what happens and why people talk to their pets. And it proves that those of us that talk to our pets are more intelligent? Because the scientific term is anthropomorphism, which is to recognize emotion in something besides another human. 
And that makes us intelligent because, or just wishful thinkers. But, well, because, you know, I can look at Jen and I can see she thinks I'm hilarious right now because she's laughing. Oh, there's a reason why I'm laughing. <laughs> not sure if it's that. And that's, you know, that takes some skill. Right. But to be able to look at something non-human and say, you know what? My dog looks kind of afraid right now. <gasps> that's a whole different level of intelligence. So my question is, if you have a pet... Who doesn't talk to it? No! Who's giving their pet a silence treatment? Who doesn't talk to their pet if you've got one? I will repossess your pet <laughs> if you're not speaking to it. He won't. That's not true. I he, don't have that authority. It's not my jurisdiction. Will not. The same science that says that it's good for you to eat ice cream for breakfast mm-hmm. is now telling you that if you talk to your pet, you are more intelligent. But here's the thing. When we talk to our pets, we don't talk like we're intelligent. <laughs> We we do the baby talk. Sometimes. Some we, of us do, We anyway. become very curious about who's a good boy, as if we don't actually know who the good boy is. <laughs> and we just want to know, do you talk to your pet in baby talk? Well, my dog is deaf, so I have to give him hand signals. Oh. <laughs> do you give him hand signals in a baby voice? No baby voice. Okay. hand signals. And an adult voice. And an adult voice. Okay. Yeah. Well, why bother? If he can't hear you, you might as well not waste the baby voice, right? That's what I keep telling my husband. <laughs> don't talk to him. He can't hear you. <laughs> I don't understand how people can do this. You look at that pet and you speak to it. But you don't even use a baby voice. <laughs> you just talk to it like it's your coworker, like you're shouting over the top of the cubicle. Do you always, always talk to your pets in baby talk? Always? Well, well here's the thing. I'm realizing there are rules for this. Okay. Because right. my dog, Lacey Lou, you're my baby girl. Always? Always. Always using that voice. With our cats, buddy number one and buddy number two. And oh we give them little scritches between the ears. Did you notice that there was a little bit of a difference between the baby oh, talk for the cats and the baby talk for the dogs? You have different voices. There's even a subtle difference when I'm talking to Hawkeye or to Trapper. Okay. But here, here's <laughs> where things deviate. Oh my goodness. I think what it is is it's fur. Because my brother had a lot of pets growing up when he had hamsters and gerbils. They're still getting the baby talk. Hey, little Merlin. Merlin, you want a carrot? But when he had a pet snake or a pet a knoll or a pet fish or a pet newt, <laughs> I barely even spoke to him. And when I did, it was like they were a regular human. So I think fur is the determining factor in my life. I think you need to lay on a couch somewhere and talk. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just made a breakthrough. Oh, this is Dan from Japan. Dan, Dan from, Japan. from Japan. Tell us about you and your pets and the way you talk to them. You probably can predict this, but I speak to my dog in Japanese. <laughs> oh. Yes, but Japanese baby talk? Normally, it's kind of, it's a little harsher than speaking to a person. Oh, so it's harsher? It's harsher. He's a, he's a naughty dog. He's a naughty <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I can tell by the way you say naughty that you're real hard on him. <laughs> well, not always. I give him a dog treat at night. And, yeah. You know, yeah. What's something you would say to your dog in Japanese? Uh, she's a cunny. And what does that, that did mean? That sound harsh. That means be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one. Say it again. She's a cunny. She's, she's a cunny. Okay. Hey, Taylor. <laughs> I'm not not a fan of where this is going. Hey, thanks for calling, Dan. Yeah, all right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.